Believe it or not, it's a town called Flin Flon, exactly in the middle of Canada. Flin Flon is built on solid rock, and one of the first things we noticed were the boxed-in sewer pipes. Of ground, we'd never seen anything like it before. Susan, what up? He's so cute and dreamy and my oh, life in person. He sounds so awesome on the radio. Oh, yeah. ah. We were nice enough to be blessed with the presence of Mark and Crystal Colt. And this is kind of uh, the third part. We, we'll probably do more with them eventually. But this one is kind of the birth of Johnny's Social Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, Culture Days got started. Stuff like that. Uh, the quality of the musicals that we've done. As well as some of their stuff from... Uh, well, yeah, of course they know Bomber, Bomber, Town, Town, Bomber Town, Three yes. Wives for Quesos, and, um, it's got very touching when Mark started talking about, uh, Johnny's Social Club and how it was very similar to what he did as, uh, a youngster, as mm-hmm. a youth in Secolage Boniface in Winnipeg. They had a venue not unlike Johnny's, and he now... He, he, because he's a, a maestroing genius, he was charting music then, and now it's come full circle because he's <laughs> charting music now, and they have learned like over 500 songs for these Johnny oh. Social Club so- shows. Crystal and Mark Colt uh, chatting about sort of the, the modern arts scene here in Flin Flon, and they, they say it with a gleam in their eye, and I think that comes across. All right, we got Mark and Crystal Colt here yet again. This is the epic saga. It's like a Ken Burns documentary, but in podcast form. And funny. And funny and cute and awesome. What? You didn't, you didn't think the Civil War was a laugh, yeah, right? Yeah, it was, I was, it was a knee slapper. Antietam, Gettysburg. <laughs> oh, sh- yeah. it, was, it, yeah. was, it was like the first time I saw Caddyshack, for goodness sakes. All right, so uh, here we go. The Colts are coming back. And this is uh, another installment. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is going to be a gooder of the Sewer Box Office Podcast. Flin Flon is a city built on rock. It's an easy place to find and a hard place to leave. For more information about Manitoba's north of 53 region and Flin Flon, you can call toll-free 1-800-665-0040, extension 325. It, well, you came first. No. Well, I came, no. well just, just a, a couple uh, of months, yeah. Uh, uh, well, I came in November and yeah, you came in August. Right. I yeah, that's right. Well, no, I came, came well, my first day was September 15th. Yeah. And so uh, you, you there, there was, a, I guess, technically six weeks that mm-hmm. that, that, that um, uh, was waiting for you to get here sometime. In, but in that, little, that little ad... That we, you know, karma or whatever God the, the, that that we found that Mark found in the free press, like we didn't really oh, we can get a free press. You know, we were at that point after being, you know, musicians and then four years of of uh, university. It was, you know, we'd have a car and you're, you know, worried the muffler oh. fall, you know, we pick were, it up we and keep going. Like, yeah, how are we going to do we this? Were, we were doing better than some musicians, but yeah. um, uh, yeah. you know, still the the the. the Life in the arts has always got a little bit of precariousness if it's your only source of income. So. But Mark happened to pick up a free press, and the ad you said was on the very it was on the back back page, and it was like 
and you can tell your story. As oh, you, to me, science, you felt science. immediately. I felt immediately. This is perfect. You know, uh, uh, gee, I really hope that this works out, and and it did. And um, uh, you know, uh, twenty plus years later, we're still here and still really enjoy the community. Mm -hmm. So, so when we talked to Brent Lethbridge, episode one, uh, <laughs> your people were like. They're thinking of hiring a new city solicitor, and he plays the piano. <laughs> okay. like, bring him in. So then a lunch was had, and it was kind of like, so this we is, hear you play piano? This is within 48 hours of my starting work. I got recruited by the Lethbridges into a country rock band. <laughs> As you're uncalling the U-Haul, Well, there's a bit of a funny story Brent probably told you, too, because um, as Susan told me, uh, was that uh, she, she loves about it still now. She asked Mark, she says, I don't know, like, can you improvise? <laughs> and, and Mark said, oh, I don't know, you can kind of give me a try. We'll sort of see what we can do. And so he played, and they were kind of, oh, God. <laughs> okay. You're, I think it's all fine. Be fine. <laughs> so um, we ask this for everybody. Uh, early impressions of the town. Well, I I enjoyed it right off the hop. I, I um, uh, having grown up in Winnipeg, where everything is so flat, I remember really enjoying the variety of the landscape here. Um, I couldn't help but be impressed by. Uh, how welcoming people were and and um, uh, you know that occasionally you'd meet people who'd talk about how Flin Flon was sort of closed in on itself or clicky or whatever that's never been my experience at all now you know I had the music to act as a sort of bridge but you know at the same time there are people who know music who you only find out three years later, a month before they're leaving forever, that, oh yeah, I had a music degree, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I was just delighted that there were people that were, in, that were interested in doing music with me, and, and, and um, uh, I tried to follow up on as many of those opportunities as I could. And, and um, uh, I, literally, there has never been a dull moment in Flin Flon. Um, and and you know I guess Crystal you can talk and then, about well, your the experience. Wind, how long did it take then for the the choir to get going? Was it around? Was it a little after that? Or oh, it was really 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 soon. When I we arrived in myself and the kids in November, and then uh, shortly in the new year of uh, ninety six, um, there was a really distinguished member of the community, Murray Davidson, yes. that had been part of the flying glee club who had passed away and somebody had called me to say you know we heard that you are a musician that you conduct choirs would you lead a, a choir for this funeral and i said sure and there were like 27 people that showed up for that for funeral the for, for the, the choir, choir. Not, not and the, 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 yeah the, the and so i i just thought geez maybe would this community like a like there was a, a half acquired. Yeah. There was another interesting experience that happened. When you talk about first impressions, we bought the house. We get settled. Day one, I get on the little bus to go uptown. When Mark's at work, and I don't know who this lady is. I've never seen her since. But this little, she was was like a little Polish baba. She sits beside me on the bus. She gives me a nudge in the ribs, and she says, "I was part of the Flintstone Glee Club." I went, "That's great." I don't know what you're talking about, but it was this really, it's 
keeps coming back to me over and over and over and over again because I keep thinking that I would meet, see that person right. or Run find out who she was point. in the Glee yeah. Club. I know almost everybody that was in the Glee Club. I don't know who this woman woman was or is, but and it was it was instant. It was like this little. It was this, I don't know, this little echo that that seemed to happen at, at that particular moment. But uh, it's like yeah. like those TV programs where you or or video games where you meet a character at the beginning that gives. Yeah. You only find out what it actually is. Yeah, yeah, yeah as it goes on, but it was really interesting. Yeah. So it was like that. Musical Gleekle was that dormant? Was that kind of it, yeah? It had been dormant for about twenty five years, and uh, before we had we had come and and uh, actually again, Sue was about the the second person that I met, Susan Lethbridge, and uh, and she w- was also telling me that it was a it was a such an engaging. Um, activity for her parents' generation, and that all the kids wanted to be part of the Glee Club, but the parents, the kids didn't really want the kids around because it was, was a dance for them to have fun as as adults. And so, when all of a sudden, it, it, of course, you know, people want to have fun. And when we started the Flimflon Community Choir. Um, the, that um, was the first thing everybody was telling us was like, oh, we just can't wait to be a part of this. And I was flummoxed to a certain extent because I was wondering, really, and not, there's not a lot of places where people are flooding to join a, a choir. And even the name, I was wondering about that. You know, at one point I was thinking, should I call it Aurora Coriolis yeah, or so, uh, something? So yeah, yeah. But it. but I thought, you know what? I wonder if by the end of my life. The word community can be associated with something more sophisticated, as and so it was. A, I don't know if I'm winning or losing that dare because every once in a while I kind of go, oh, I should I call it Aurora Coriolis, <laughs> but, but that was that's why we've sort of held on to it just as a bit of a curiosity. Anything else? So was goals for it to be just this gathering of people, or did you think you could do something sort of professional with I it? I knew I could do something professional with it. I could tell as soon as Mark met some people like Brent and Sue Lethbridge, and then all of a sudden there's a sparkle of not only talent, but I started to realize in, I thought it was every community, but I could tell in this this mining community, there were people with a lot of education, a lot of knowledge, kind of this pent-up energy to do something great, and being far enough away where you do have to do it, you can't just, oh, I'm just going to go an hour down the road till I get to Winnipeg. It just, you, you have to do it. So I saw this extraordinary opportunity, and it just it was filled with curiosity to see how far we could do it. Almost immediately, we went alternated between uh, classical masterworks. That was the very first thing we we did was uh, Schubert's Mass in G, which in in the newspaper at the time <laughs> they, 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 they wrote skipped, skipped. brand new community choir they, they, sings they, they, massing. Mass in G. Oh. <laughs> and I looked at that and went, oh, it's going to be a long journey. Oh. It's going to be a long journey. Oh. But, <laughs> but, so it, um, uh, now I, I don't think that was the only typo, typo that occurred in the No, world. there's the opera <laughs> Messiah. But, um, uh, but it, it, it was, yeah, it, it did happen that way. And, and, uh, I, the 
the choir grew very quickly. Um, there had been, you know, sort of 30-ish people who'd gotten together for that funeral in January. And then we started advertising for people to join the choir, and it started off with 25 people at the first rehearsal. And by the time we did our spring concert at the end of April, there were 50 people in the choir. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then for our Christmas concert in 1996, there were 90 people in the choir, and the, the numbers the numbers have sort of hovered, but you know they've gone as high as 110 at one point, mm -hmm. but um, they've hovered between 90 and 60 ever mm -hmm. since. It's mm -hmm. it, so it's been a large choir for virtually its whole existence. And, and I guess that's one of the sort of gifts from God, so to speak, because uh, in Winnipeg, you, it's rare to get handed a choir that big on a platter. People will have developed their own choirs over time, built them up from 15, 15 or 20 people, and you know, painstakingly try to make it into a bigger thing and, and recruit and the like. And whereas here it was, uh, it grew very quickly without, you know, huge um, uh, uh, extraordinary efforts on Crystal my part. There, there was a hunger for it and, 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 and a whole generation of people, or two generations, that remi remembered the big role that the Glee Club had had going back from the 40s through to the end of the 1970s here and they knew exactly what they wanted us to do they wanted us to redo the glee club and asked was there any particular pieces no you choose whatever we'll do whatever you choose <laughs> again that was something that blew um, well, blew me away. Of course, I think Crystal as well. Is that you know, often you're eager to please. You you want to do stuff that people want to hear. But they they were much more interested in the very fact that the choir existed and was doing stuff, and they were ready. I, I guess you know, with the Glee Club operating over so many years, people would just go to see the production, and they knew it would be good. And whatever and it was. That, that whatever it was, and and that's pretty much the mandate that we were given. Um, we know you'll be good. We trust you. Choose well, something. Well, and, and, and we had to build Surprises. to yeah. we had to build to get up to that quality of the Glee Club because it was truly extraordinary. When you think of uh, a voice like John Vickers, who was an international tenor, being accompanied by Neil Young's Grandma Jean, you know, you, the, that was the quality. It, we heard a, a, a few cassettes, recordings of it, and it was truly extraordinary. I think it's just in the last maybe four years that I feel right around, maybe just before around, around Evita, we're, we're starting to get up to the quality of what they yeah, had. Murray McDonald doing South Pacific. And, yeah, yeah they, it was. There was some really you know, there was extraordinary talent. So was this when, did you guys help ease or avert a strike in the choir with the mine and management? Uh, well, I Okay, well, or I, I, we didn't that, ease our but we were a part of it. Ease would be closer yeah. to it. At yeah. the time, you had wives of union leaders and wives of company management that were both in the choir, and the choir was a safe zone. And this was, this was during the 15-year uh, labor stability pact uh, times when they were negotiating that, and then and that at the time the bargain was put forward in a rather stark way. Either 
all the unions agree to this or Flin Flon will shut down. But it wasn't and just wives. We had the guys, we had the different, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, well, in the choir yeah. as well. But it was sort of a safe zone where people could do something, something good Stand together. side by side. I had never experienced the sort of intensity that you had around that. I mean, in Winnipeg, there were strikes from time to time, but it would only affect a relatively small part of the overall labor force and, and uh, would affect some families deeply, but it wasn't a community thing. And I mean, in this case, you know, you sort of felt like, especially with the, 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 the prospect of the whole community shutting down, it felt, it felt like uh, the next closest thing to a war zone, or at least in my own sort of fevered imagination of the time, uh, never having experienced a war zone or anything quite that intense. Um, uh, you know, I guess the second time it came around a couple of years back with, uh, with, with that strike, it didn't feel quite as intense. And, mm -hmm. and um, uh, the, the, those, those negotiations, though, I remember being feeling like they were a very big deal mm -hmm. um, uh, at the time. And uh, um, I, I guess... Uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, the the um, the deal was struck, and and uh, you know, uh, um, we got another uh, another fifteen plus years out of that, and and uh, and here we are. You know, we're looking at um, uh, uh, some sort of future for the mine, hopefully, with the zinc plant taking in uh, concentrate from the Snow Lake region, and I mean that's what you know they're working on, and we hope that that comes to fruition, but. Um, there is, there is that sort of sense of, of uh, never really being fully settled, isn't it? You know, mm -hmm. and uh, and and uh, um, you know, even during the really good times, you weren't really sure what the future might hold and how long it would hold it. So, um, it it um, uh, does. I think that does sort of lend some of the stuff we do in the arts here a certain intensity in and of itself because you grab onto well I don't know exactly what the future will be but I do know I'm really enjoying this moment right now doing this music with these wonderful friends and um, uh, and and that makes it real and it makes it makes it it, it powerful and it so, uh, sometimes makes it profound and and uh, that to me is you know a part of, of, of what it is here I, I think of, of Brent and you know when he when you know Susan was having her health difficulties um, rather than try to tune out of stuff like the Johnny Social Club if anything he doubled down and and he uh, participated in everything and in, in uh, you know twice as much as he had before uh, just because it was a bit of a lifeline, and uh, uh, I, I, I think at various times it's been like that. Certainly, there was a bit of that same feeling at the time of that, you know, sort of labor management unrest in the early two thousands, and um, uh, I, I think that um, uh, uh, you know there are times where I can point very specifically to the sort of role of, of, of music and the arts in a place like Flin Flon as a sort of social glue um, uh, mm -hmm. that keeps us together, gives us a reason to persevere. It definitely creates a community. Yeah, yeah and and I, but I think there's, there's something also magical in the air. There's another sparkle, and I, I can't quite 
put put my finger on it because I think there's a lot of communities that have these kind of challenges whether it's I think of um, Fogo Island I really if, uh, you know, want to meet Zita Cobb and because I want her to be my my BFF but <laughs> but I think of what they did in a little island of like Fogo Island which is like a single um, was a single industry uh, place and and it was the arts that was able to sort of revive that that community and 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 I so I think right now the time is right there's such a vibrancy happening here with you guys with the theater and the and the dance and the writers and the quilters and the visual arts and it goes on and on now opera you know who knows it goes on and on and on that um, that there is something special happening here and I don't know if it's the water but there's something special happening here that that uh, is a little bit like a Shangri-La for all don't you feel mm -hmm. oh definitely yeah yeah they're they're it's hard to say for sure if what's happening with the arts in Flin Flon is unique in the full sense of that word, but it is rare. At the very least, it is rare. And and uh, in terms of the 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 buy-in, you know, per capita that you have here, I I think Johnny's Social Club would be an amazing thing if it were in Winnipeg, but it's here in Flin Flon. You know, who knew? So, Bomber Town. Oh, All right. Um, this is so you guys like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But this was did you, you guys wrote it and did Work. it all yeah, like did. the book and the score. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was this basically just picked it up from everybody going Bombers 57, 57 Bombers. Well, that's that's um, very much the story. Oh. Uh, Brenda Russell, a very sweet lady who's still around. Um, uh, had um, uh, uh, at one point just shown me a um, uh, uh, a reprint of it wasn't McLean's fortune. It was, was, no, it was called. Well, there was a couple of things, yeah. but the one that first got it started is that there was something called the Canadian Magazine, which was which was a a um, center um, fold in that went in a variety of papers across Canada in the Southam chain. And um, I was familiar with it because my parents subscribed to uh, one of the Southam newspapers, the Winnipeg Tribune at the time. And that's sort of gone the way of, of the dodo bird at this point. But um, uh, I, I was familiar with it. And she pointed out a 1957 issue of it and said, read this. This is the spirit of Lenflon. And it was about the 57 team. And uh, and and uh, the the story of the series and how uh, they were, the local team was up against the uh, farm team for the Montreal Canadiens, who at the time were part of their unmatched um, series of five straight Stanley Cups. These were, you know, supposedly unbeatable, and uh, you know the locals beat them with a team that was composed primarily of local players. So this was something that was um, uh, uh, a very big deal, and uh, it was clear from the way she described it, uh, you know, how how much affection it had as a local story. And I thought, well, I mean, uh, that would be, uh, you know, at the time it had been impressed upon me that 
people were trying to do musicals about a whole bunch of different subjects. And I thought, well, if you know somebody can do um, uh, a musical called Assassins about presidential killers, um, uh, we can do a musical about the 1957 bombers. <laughs> the King of Siam, the Golden <laughs> Castle. Yeah. So did, did Crystal, did you direct? I directed, okay. yeah, I directed and produced. And uh, and going back to the, reminds me of the opera thing, when, he, when I saw the what Irvin Goodman was doing with moving all these things around stage, I went, I remember seeing this, and and so, and, but then I also remember. I think our budget was five thousand dollars compared to like the sixty-five thousand dollars it takes to do our musicals now. And I was like, well, that's no, no, it was more than that. Was it because I remember going to the Flint Flon Arts Council, and we asked for twenty-five thousand dollars to put it on, and this oh it was not written yet. Yeah. They agreed to it on, right. the, basis, on yeah. the basis of how successful Okay, then Joseph I was really freaking out about that amount. Technicolor, I'm sure. Technicolor. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but 25000 bucks was a lot of money. But you know 90s. what? That's exactly what, like, you're thinking that 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 is about year two or three of us being in, year yeah. two, us being in Flim Flon. So that is, I think, the quintessential success story of this town. It's just like this young couple in our... Th- 30s two kids just moved to town we got a new choir we've been we are great we've been doing it for a year we need twenty five thousand dollars to do an original musical and um and you know we don't know how we're going to do it but here we go and okay yeah that sounds great do well, it the great thing if you wanted to do that in in the city it would cost a lot more than twenty five thousand. Oh, oh that's right. Well, and 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 well, getting just the buy-in and, 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 and getting creative freedom and getting to do it. The creative freedom and mm. getting the twenty five thousand as well. I mean, that would yeah. have been a pretty big deal. Getting that sort of grant at that point for mm. uh, a project like that. Um, it it um, you know really it was one of those pinch me is it real. And and that was the first, that was kind of an interesting, my first little relationship with the Flim Flon Arts Council, because I remember getting together with a meeting with uh, the executive and, and, and um, I forgot there was that much work. And then asking them, I said, you know, do you want to, this is what we, and I had all my budget, how this is, I can't see getting less than this because they, you know, that's how much it'll cost. Because at that point, we didn't have lights or sound. And so (laughs) that was when we brought in the lights and sound rented all of that from Winnipeg. That was $15,000. And the technician from Rainbow Stage and the, and the lighting designer. And then, yeah, all of those, those, those new things that we, we had to bring in from scratch. Yeah, it's true. And so anyways, I, 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 I sit there and chuckle because you're, you're, you guys are such professionals in in the theater department, but no, we, we uh, gave, (laughs) We did it. We gave it a we gave it a try, and and um, CBC well, was able to yeah. did a nice little documentary yeah. on it, and yeah. and so we were able to get a little bit of little get a little is bit of there commitment. a want to remount it? Yes, it is. There is actually. There's definitely. We need people like yourselves. And I spoke with Alain, and I think Janelle Hako. There's a few. We need to have like a good like a two year workshopping of it. I think because it is it is. Very, very good. At that point, you know, it's 20 years old now, so it needs to have some, you know, Well, 1957 is 1957. That's the great part of us. And and a lot of the music was intentionally 
period music, you know, mm-hmm. sort of um, Elvis era stuff, and mm-hmm. and and, uh, mm-hmm. and and other bits. I think are are sort of conventional enough um, musical theater. Um, uh, musical languages that that it wouldn't be wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, whether whether a full fully remounted production is the way to go, yes, or, whether a, <laughs> or like a, a concert a, version, a concert of, Johnny. version no, of Johnny. No, it has to be a full one. Yes, it has. It was. It's really, really. It just we need. We've evolved so much from little Crystal trying to figure out how to do this to having professional people like yourselves or in Hodges or or Jackie Lowen and the talent. To and the, the pool talent that we have now, now yeah. to really take it to another uh, another level. I would be. I really want to do that because so. that's when um, Susan always mutters, uh, mutters in her uh, in her mm. you know occasional grumpy states. <laughs> so I left. And then Mark and Crystal showed up. Yeah. And then they started <laughs> everything. 1995. Oh my goodness. I left. And she was, she's got a kid degree and got everything. Yeah, and yeah. Like, like, no, no. We will, we'll talk. Because it just, it has to be remounted. And in fact, I know that, well, somebody like Kevin Prokosh, she's no longer there, a critic in the Winnipeg Free Press. But every time I would talk to him, call down to Winnipeg to let them know what we were doing next, he says, are you doing Bomber I didn't come. I should have come. I want to come to do it, and and, uh, and so you know for for sure. In Winnipeg, Kevin Prokosh referred to my acting as competent. <laughs> <laughs> See, he's a good guy. <laughs> so what is well, the documentary record? Um, uh, uh, Raph just did a victory lap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're going to uh, shut it off there for now. We're going to run out of bandwidth here, so we're going to have to make a third part, a part three of Mark and Crystal Colt, and we'll get into uh, Johnny's Social Club stuff, and we'll get into the uh, more recent history and what is perhaps on the horizon with them. Keep on listening as we've got great feature chats upcoming. Susan Lethbridge will be in. That should be a, another multi-part episode. We'll do the history of Ham Sandwich with Beth and Tom Heine as well and whoever else we can convince to come into the SBO Global Headquarters. So uh, keep on listening. Have some fun. Just tool around. Dart in and out. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. If you just want to click on the beginning, click on the end. That's a great part of these podcasts. Raphael Saray letting you know that you'll always be the taller, prettier one. And I'm proud of you. Good night and good podcasting.